we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Greetings and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And today, we're going to be talking about something that, depending on who you are, probably sounds incredibly interesting or super fucking dry. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, and it only sounds dry because you don't know about the sauce. The sauce? I'm going to drip my nonsense sauce (laughs) all over the history of obscenity law in America. That's right. We're going to be talking about various attempts made by the United States government to set legal boundaries around what sort of images, writing, and speech we're allowed to use to communicate with one another. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be talking about obscenity law today. Hell yeah. You know, some First Amendment free speech censorship shit. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, turns out that's actually highly relevant to like, you know, flip on the news, what's going on today, don't say gay, all these things, criminalizing certain types of speech. Everyone's afraid of speech. Yeah. So, you know, this all begs the question, like, so what's obscenity? What What is obscenity? What does it mean to be criminally obscene? Hmm. Like, what the fuck? Like, you go to jail. You are too obscene. I'll, I'll show you. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it's actually a hard question to answer because the legal definition is different from just the dictionary definition. Let's look up the dictionary definition, actually. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? The state or quality of being obscene. Uh-huh. Thank you. All right. Uh, offensive to accepted standards of decency. Of or relating to materials that can be regulated or criminalized because their depiction of nudity, sex, or excretion is patently offensive and without artistic or scientific value. Yep. Morally repulsive. Disgusting. Yeah. So, like, the legal definition of obscenity and, like, honestly, the definition of most words. Yeah. Words, their meanings change over time. Yeah. They just do. Like, yeah. that shit is slippery. And this is one of those slippery things. Slippery sauce. <laughs> <laughs> the history of obscenity law i chose this because it it does fit into our pantheon of topics oh i it's love it dark yeah. yet full of silliness yeah and um you know it's kind of funny we're we're recording this not on our normal day usually we record on thursdays we're recording this on saint patrick's day so for the first time in a long time we're doing a little bit of drinking we are we're drinking on the pod which is it's a dangerous game for me to be playing me drinking too because the obscenity laws episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did you know that in 2005, the Bush administration began their obscenity prosecution task force and their job was just to like watch hardcore porn and see if the videos met the legal test for obscenity? And if not, you better take those porn stars and filmmakers to court. Who was on the task force? Right. It's just a group of people paid by the government to sit around watching scat porn and argue about whether or not it contains any artistic merit. Yeah, I think this is just one of the leaks of bureaucracy. This is, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like people are on the payroll for this. Yeah. 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 I think they just wanted to get paid to watch scat porn. Right. Like, okay, so there's this one guy, Ira Isaacs, a self-described shock artist who was convicted on five federal counts of selling obscene material. 
He was a pornographer with titles like Gangbang Horse, Pony Sex Game, and Hollywood Scat Amateurs Number 7. If you're wondering how many scat amateurs there are, yeah, I am. Um, the highest number I could find was 38. Holy fuck. But there might be more. So there's a lot. <laughs> he made a lot of Hollywood He's scat just doing amateurs. one a quarter. <laughs> yeah. So Bush's obscenity task force went after Isaacs in 2008, but there was a snag in the trial. Okay. This is 2008. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So the judge for the trial, he was caught hosting his own website full of like fucked up weird porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Times reported that Judge Alex Kaczynski's website included photos of a naked woman on all fours painted to look like a cow. Not that's, that's not, not that bad. bad. Um, a video bad. of a half-dressed man cavorting with a sexually aroused farm animal, images of masturbation, well, public and contortionist sex, a slideshow of a striptease featuring trans women, a series of photos of women's crotches as seen through snug-fitting clothing and underwear, and content with themes of defecation and urination. The only one is the farm. The, the only bad one is the farm animal because that's animal. Yeah, the rest is just like normal sex stuff. But it's weird it's because he's a judge. Stuff. He's a judge prosecuting obscenity cases. I don't know if he has a choice in what he prosecutes and what he presides. Yeah, over, you know. So Judge Kaczynski, dirty boy. Yeah, he he's like okay, sure, some of that's inappropriate. But also, it's pretty funny, no? <laughs> yeah. Like, he tried to blame some of the posts on the website on his son, whose name is Yale. Jeez. And also, his wife came to his defense, and she was like, I don't know. I think it's funny. I think that the donkey fucking the man is funny. The donkey fucking the man's not funny. Yeah. The rest of it's funny. Oh, my God. He also, like, he well, wait, had was this- it Who was fucking who in the video? Was it? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Because, like- I'm, it, I'm gonna leave it. It matters. <laughs> a little bit. So this judge, Alex Kaczynski, <gasps> right? He also had this fucking this email list that he sent out called the Easy Writer Gag List, where he would send out like bad jokes that he had written, like racist, sexist jokes, and he would just send them to his colleagues, like in the courthouse, without them even wanting to be put on this email list. He's just like, I'm so funny and clever. Everyone will think my jokes are funny. Yeah, I he, mean, he'd also gotten in trouble in the past for disabling software on federal court computers meant to block porn. <laughs> um, and he has a lot of allegations of sexual harassment and like bad shit levied against him. Um, you know, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a clerk for Kaczynski. <laughs> if that tells you anything. Okay. Yeah, they were buds. Wow. Um, and to get a good idea of Judge Alex Kaczynski's skills with the ladies, here's a clip of him on the 19, in the 1970s dating game show. Oh, my God, I can't. And we'll try it with bachelor number one. First, would you please say good afternoon to Rita? Good afternoon, Rita. Thank Jesus you. Number two. Christ. Good afternoon, flower of my heart. Hey, Rita, which Jesus one Christ. gets the date? Number two. Number two. All right. All right, Rita, your date stands by. I'd like to tell you something about it. As you can tell, he had a slight accent. Actually, it's an honest accent. He's from Bucharest, Romania, and he speaks five languages. Your date, Alex Kozinski. Alex, I want to say hello to Rita, Wow. Can I hear him say it again? Good afternoon, flower of my heart. Hey, Rita, which one gets the date? Number two. Number two. <laughs> she sold. She's like, oh my God, I'm the flower of his heart. Fuck yeah. Yeah, he just fucking grabs her, goes down. Right. So that's um that's Alex Kaczynski. So like, yeah. So what became of Ira Isaacs and his Hollywood scat amateurs after, you know, all of that? It would take three trials to prosecute him. 
The first was interrupted by Judge Kaczynski's antics. The second ended in a mistrial due to a hung jury. And then he's finally convicted, right? Yeah. U.S. District Court Judge George King rejects Isaac's claim of being an artist protected by the First Amendment. He goes like, this is not First Amendment shit. Okay, you're having people poop on each other. This isn't covered. But it's like, why not? Why not? Sure, the bestiality. I, I get that. Yeah. But why the poop? Why can't people poop on each other? Why can't people poop on each other? There are excellent benefits. Yeah, so this is what U.S. District Court Judge George King says. Can you read that quote? I didn't highlight it. Yeah. He has cloaked himself as a First Amendment defendant, but the fact is that he did it for money. He's not a defender of the First Amendment. He cheapens the First Amendment. Yeah. But does he? What are you doing as a U.S. District Court Judge there, buddy? Yeah. I have to imagine you get a paycheck? Go fuck yourself. Right. Like, you're not doing it for money? Okay. So, after serving 26 months at the Federal Correctional Institute um, in Anthony, Texas, Ira Isaacs is released to a halfway house in 2016. He's currently working on a book about his experiences called Obscene, The People versus Ira Isaacs. And it's like, okay, as much as Ira Isaacs is a disgusting pervert who makes poopy pony porn, like... And, you know, I guess that lacks artistic value. I don't know. Who the fuck decides what has value? I, is that up for me to decide? Is that up for the courts to decide? <sighs> is that is that right? No, I, I guarantee you my definition of artistic merit is different than some fucking judge. Right. Yeah. So how do you judge what that means? Like, what does that mean when you put that, when that's the definition? Well, right. it's slippery enough to... Uh... Be whatever you need it to be. Yeah. Now, if you please, we have some potatoes to dig into. <laughs> Somebody's digging my potatoes, tramping on my vine. Wait, I had a worry feeling rest on my mind. Yeah, tell me Okay. Why that song? Yeah. Before we travel back to the beginning of American obscenity law in 1873, I want to let you, Sequoia, and our listeners know that for this episode, I'm going to be using music that was banned. Mm. Music banned from the radio, just music banned. Banned music. Including... Including music from um, the Parents Music Resource Council Senate hearing. Oh, yes. PMRC, yes. The Tipper Gore Frank Zappa hearing, if you will. Yes. Or the rock porn hearing, as it was called. Our younger listeners might not know about this. And I don't mean to patronize you, and I'm sorry for that. No, that's funny. But- <laughs> We're going to get patronized. People are going to be like, I can't believe you guys know this. I'm like, I'm fucking 33. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the 80s. Senator Al Gore's wife, Tipper, was very upset that a Prince album she bought for her daughter had risque lyrics in it. So she literally made a federal case out of it. Yeah. And that's why you have the uh, the sticker, the the parental advisory. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And in her 1987 book, Raising PG Kids in an X-Rated Society. Shut up. Tipper Gore writes an opening sentence that's just so hypocritical Okay, this is what she writes. (laughs) Okay. 
Like many parents, I grew up listening to rock music and loving it, but something has happened since the days of Twist and Shout. Like, oh yeah, Tipper? <laughs> what did your parents think of Twist and Shout? Because yeah. guess what? That song was banned from the radio for yeah. its risque lyrics about making love in the grass. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know? So you enjoyed music yeah, that, yeah. that was too out there for your parents, and now you're just, God. God. Yeah. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. So now at last, we'll do what we do. We'll do our tarot poll for this episode, and then we'll talk about the card at the end of the episode. And then we'll finally get into it. We're going to be time traveling backwards. We got the Six of Wands. Nice. It is a nice card. It's kind of a, a triumphant, stable. Very much so. Nice, steady card. Powerful. Yeah. It's a Tipperath in, um, in Atsaluth. It's a, a sort of core, higher self. It's it's the card of victory. It is the card of triumph, of standing proud at a, you know, nobly yeah. won battle. Acting on behalf of your soul. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'll talk about that more at the end. And now for part one. Part one. Obscenity Law Finds Its Footing. Hell yeah. Feel free to play that song. You want some candy, little boy? (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the songs Tipper Gore banned. I'm sure. You want some candy, little boy? <laughs> God. My daughter can't listen to this. She she did and she's fucked up now. It's fine. Yeah, that, that's what fucked her up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have a dipper gore for a mom or nothing. God. All right. So we're in postbellum America. We're in the late uh, 19th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a place that we visited a lot on this podcast. The first federal law restricting printed obscene material. It's passed 1873. Largely due to the lobbying of this guy, a moralist named Anthony Comstock, and his organization, the New York Society for the Suppression of Vice. Great. And the Young Men's Christian Association. (laughs) YMCA, baby. (laughs) So, um... He was a huge fucking square his entire life. He championed himself as an anti-vice activist. Fucking loser. Yeah, when he was in the infantry, he would get angry at fellow soldiers for swearing near him. 
Oh my fucking yeah. god. You're watching fucking dude's arms get blown the fuck off. <laughs> Just be- Excuse me, could you watch your language? Boys dying face down in the fucking mud. You can't hear a bad word, you fucking piece of shit. Right. Yeah, so the Comstock Act, it's passed, and it restricts the trade, possession, manufacture, and distribution of obscene materials and materials of an immoral nature. The treatise aimed to regulate sexuality, govern traffic of sexual literature and information through suppression. Because, you know, this is a time when suffragists, sex educators, anarchists, they're they're on the rise, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. are learning about STDs. Like, we finally figured out what syphilis is, like, 20 <laughs> years ago. Like, maybe we can spread around some information about safe sex. No. No. Bad. Yeah. This law also allowed for a breach of privacy, so postal agents, they could just open any package or letter, including Comstock himself, who appointed himself a special agent of the U.S. Postal Service. He can just open up your letters and read them, and if he doesn't like what he reads, or if he doesn't like you, he can just throw away your letters, throw away your mail, make sure that it never gets anywhere. Oops, that was bad. That was too obscene. Well, you know, isn't that just the entire fucking point? Yeah. So at the the memory hole. Yeah. At the end of his career, Anthony Comstock basically brags, you know, oh, I was responsible for over 4,000 arrests and I drove 15 people to kill themselves in my fight for the young. I fucking hate you. He was a certified dickhead. Once someone clobbered him over the head in public, which (laughs) like messed up his health for the rest of his life, shout out to that person. Yeah, hell yeah, I endorse it. (laughs) He had a lot of enemies. A lot of people did not like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll Um, pick him up and piss on his skull. Yeah. Yeah. The rise of the penny press, new printing, and photographic technologies, this meant that obscene material could be distributed with greater speed and efficiency than ever before. That plus, you know, the increased availability of printed material and a growth in literacy, you know, more women and children can read. Sure. You know, and also women and children, they're vulnerable. They don't know what they're getting into. You got to protect them. Yeah. Comstock needs to protect them. Yeah. You think of the children. Think of the fucking children. Why don't you? And he was. It was for the children. It's always for the children. Yeah. At the end of the Civil War, the nation's transforming into this urban industrial aristocracy experiencing volatile cultural currents, mm-hmm. including reform movements having to do with abolitionism and women's rights. And Comstock, he's just tapping into those class-driven fears among wi- middle-class white Americans that, you know, the sanctity of their home is going to be contaminated by this transforming culture. Oh no, we have to stop progress Things are good as is. Make America great again. Stop it all. And through the enforcement of laws that prohibited the distribution and mailing of materials that challenged norms, the government had the power to silence anyone with ideas that could threaten the status quo. Because how else do you get ideas out there in the 1870s if not through paper and printed material? The internet doesn't exist. Yeah. Anytime anyone tells you to think of the children, they're trying to fuck you. That's 100% true every single time. Yeah, that's how a lot of people get, have gotten sucked into QAnon is through that, like, you know, you got to end the child trafficking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all that shit. It's all all that fucking shit. Anytime anyone ever worries about the children in a place where children shouldn't be, they can just go fuck themselves because they're just trying to control you. So who steps up to challenge the Comstock Act? Like I said, Comstock made a lot of famous enemies in his life. Emma Goldman, Margaret Sanger being two of them. Yeah. 
but he had two enemies in particular that don't get the props or recognition they deserve. The foots. Foots? <laughs> yep. Something afoot. <laughs> Put a foot up his ass. Social reformer and physician E.B. Foote Sr. had apprenticed in newspaper journalism before he trained in medicine. Dr. Foote made a name for himself by authoring and publishing several home health care books, but he was most well known for the publication Dr. Foote's Health Monthly, in which he championed free speech, discussed sex, and marketed contraceptives. Fuck yeah. His son, E.B. Foote Jr., trained to become a doctor at Columbia University and joined his dad's medical practice and publishing company. Little Foote Jr., (laughs) he extolled the virtues of birth control and he coined the term contraceptics which is the origin of the term contraceptives. Hell yeah. Yeah. So the foots were very easy targets for Comstock. They were doing all the things that terrified him. Not only did they believe that women have a right to more control over their bodies and an elevated status in society, the foots were spreading that information around because they were doctors and they were journalists. The worst types of people. (laughs) The foots believed, like... Comstock. It's very, very hypocritical of you to be like, oh, I care about children. Meanwhile, you're suppressing information about birth control, contraceptives. You're making doctors fearful to even provide birth control. Um, That's just going to increase the number of children living in unfavorable conditions, exposed to poverty, disease. Like, it really feels like these Comstock laws and not allowing people to have this information so that they can govern their own bodies and health better. It's kind of an influencer of corruption rather than protection, right? You know, like, you're kind of corrupting people. Well, yeah. You I know? Mean, it's, um, well, control always does. Yeah. So, this is what the doctors had to say. Satisfying people's natural curiosity about curiosity about the body prevented the development of purient prurient interests therefore materials that explain the sexual functions actually served as an antidote to pornography yeah if yeah. people know how to have safe sex and can just have sex with each other yes you know repression always breeds pathology oh every fucking time control always breeds fucking uh path a pathological resistance to everything anything yeah it's fucked up don't do it but you don't need to hear that because you don't actually care anyone that says think of the children doesn't care yeah they're lying he doesn't comstock doesn't give a fuck he's just scared he's just a control freak yeah yeah the foots also saw the comstock act as infringing on their right to practice medicine because Mm -hmm. by holding back this information it inflicts unnecessary suffering upon people by withholding facts on how to prevent and treat venereal disease Mm -hmm. which by the way is like a big deal back then yeah 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 yeah. you know because like we're talking about right now people didn't know about like protection protection wasn't what it is now knowledge wasn't what it is now and even so Get tested if you haven't in a while. <laughs> so in 1881, the second class mailing permit for Dr. Foote's Health Monthly gets revoked. Because of course it does. And without the permit, the cost of postage increases by 130%. And the Foots decide it's going to be more profitable to move Health Monthly over to Canada. Hell yeah. Because over there, the postal system is free of obscenity laws and bulk mailing rates are lower. 
Then subscribers start contacting Foote about not receiving their copies. Turns out, New York authorities are holding the shipments. God damn it. Yeah. Then Foote Sr. meets a new postmaster who's like, all right, you can have a second class mailing permit because low key, I kind of want some porn. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's why, but yeah. He meets this guy. Yeah. He's like, I'll give you the mailing permit. So they come back to New York. um, They continue the magazine. Never makes any money. Lasts another 13 years. Abruptly suspends publication in 1896. Mm. Yeah. Why 1896? That's just when it happens. All right. I guess that's when they like fucking totally run out of money or decide to just change gears. Does it have anything to do with the Hicklin rule? It does. It's 1896. Yeah. The Supreme Court decides this major case, Rosen versus United States, in which the court establishes something called the Hicklin rule. Mm. And it's named from a 19th century English case. Right. You know? And the Hicklin rule becomes this new legal test of obscenity. It states that a material is obscene if any part of the book or other work had a tendency to deprave or corrupt any person, which reduces all readers (laughs) to being children and also ignores the intent of the author. Yes. Like, you can't write a villain into your story. What if someone identifies with them? It has to be all nice all the time. Right. You yeah. can't put nothing anything... Nothing bad ever happens. Nothing ever bad. Yeah. Meanwhile, people die in face down in the <laughs> fucking mud. The defendant in the Rosen case, Lou Rosen, um, he was sentenced to 13 months of hard labor and a fine of $1 for sending a, a racy newspaper <clears throat> called Tenderloin Number Broadway. Sure, that's not like an MK Ultra activation code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I tried looking it up. I'm like, is that, what is that? Man, I'd be like, can I give you $2? <laughs> yeah. So that's the Hicklin rule. I if mean, it kind of sounds like maybe that's why the Foot Magazine suspended. Yeah. You know? It's like, ah, oh, I can't risk this shit. Right. Now it's like the Supreme Court has decided yeah. that that is illegally obscene. Another case decided that year is Daniel Swearingen versus United States. Ironic. Which is, yeah, it's far from the historical milestone that the Rosen case was, but it did assist in cementing the criminalization of sexual speech as it relates to obscenity law. So Dan Swearingen had been previously found guilty in a federal district court of mailing a newspaper that included an obscene, lewd article that Swearingen himself had written. Mm. What did he write in this newspaper that that got him charged? He called someone a... A red-headed mental and physical bastard who's known to every decent man, woman, and child in the community as a liar, perjurer, and slanderer who would sell a mother's honor with less hesitancy and for much less silver than Judas betrayed the Savior. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he was charged with because he he didn't like this other guy and posted a mean thing in the newspaper about him a red-headed mental and physical <laughs> bastard that, i mean that's wonderful i love it it is wonderful, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so after the establishment of the hicklin rule the court revisited swearingen's previous conviction because he had been charged with obscenity right right they overturn it because upon re-examination they find that you know this article it contains coarse and vulgar language yeah 
but no obscenity had been committed according to the court because the article was free of sexually provocative content. Well, thus cementing the relationship between obscenity and sexuality. Yep. Specifically, the criminalization of sexuality. Yep. Yep. Always. Yeah. Always. So this period of time, you know, between the Civil War, World War II, it's awarded less attention than the free speech debates that happened during the mid 20th century. But I wanted to spend like a bit of time talking about them because I think that the existence of the Comstock laws, the way that they were enforced, it's so relevant. Like there's so many mirrors. Yeah, absolutely. And it reveals a great deal about, you know, our history as a country and where things are today. Because residual, if not overt, elements of 19th, early 20th century views on obscenity are very present. Oh, yeah. Ongoing debates about sexual freedom, reproductive rights. Yeah. And the Foots, for all their efforts, they ended up financially destitute because they spent all their money establishing the National Defense Association, which was built to challenge Comstock and provide financial and moral support to obscenity defendants, people that were thrown in jail for just like... You know, fuck yeah, saying shit saying that they shit. shouldn't be just for saying shit, for literally saying shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this National Defense Association is the forerunner of the better known Free Speech League, which um, is another forerunner for the American Civil Liberties Union, ah. ACLU. Yeah, go foots. So even after suspending Health Monthly, the two doctors spent 43 years challenging the application of obscenity laws to literature that reflected attitudes towards sexuality. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then that Hicklin rule, you know, it's established in 1896. It goes pretty much unchallenged until the later half of the 1950s. Like, and during this time... The subject of obscenity just gets raised again and again and again. It's like whack-a-mole. This results in just a 10-year period between 1957 and 1967. Mm-hmm. There's 13 different decisions and 55 separate statements filed by the nine justices. Like, oh, damn. all having to do with obscenity. Which is going to move us into part two. Redefining obscenity in the 1950s. <laughs> against concerns about national defense and the economic depression censorship of obscene materials kind of a trivial matter during world war ii it's like we're just gonna 
ignore that for a little bit. Like, fucking whatever. Go crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, public consciousness of pornography reemerges following the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. And then it gets further vitalized by the domestic impact of the Cold War, of course. Right. And despite economic prosperity due to the post-war boom, to expand the American market, you know, keep the consumer culture at the heart of the American economy alive, hmm. lots of efforts are taken to normalize and reproduce atomized nuclear families, you know? Yeah. Typical American family structure. You got a daughter, son, cat, dog. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, as we talked about fucking last week, you've got this sword of fucking Damocles hanging over your head. Yeah. That everything could be vaporized in hellfire at any given point. It, but God, we can't say the bad thing. <laughs> like, like it's literally called a nuclear insane. family. Yeah. It's just so fucking insane to me. Like, yeah. no wonder we're so fucked up as a species. Right. Like... The exaltation of the nuclear family, the revival of domestic ideals, it it serves as like a defense against the rise of the female workforce, you know? Well, also, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, also, it's, you know, and and this is to give like, uh, not credit, but like, I guess a little bit of empathy. You know, it could be like the sort of, like having the fucking hydrogen bomb hanging over your head, like there will be this fear of losing control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so like you can kind of understand where some of that repression comes in. It's the wrong way to go. And it's, it's done by scared people, which usually fuck things up. Right. Um, but like that, it, there is this terror of losing control. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And women were also like participating way more in reform politics, yeah. peace movements, organized labor. There's also this thing going on, this concern for the masculinity of American men. <laughs> and it, it manifests in this really awful anti-gay political rhetoric. Nothing ever changes, dog. Homosexuality, it's it's a threat. <sighs> that is a threat to our nation, specifically to national security. Because, you know, sexual indulgence weakens moral fiber. It leaves individuals vulnerable to extortion. Well, so yeah, that's not entirely false, but... <laughs> <laughs> not entirely... I, I don't think so. But, like, yeah. The extortion way. part, like... I get it depends what you're doing, but everybody fucks. Who cares? I yeah. mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, just saying CIA uses that. It's one of their go-tos for fucking blackmail. Yeah. 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 You just got to not give a fuck. I mean, the thing- You got to like, post your own sex tape before they can. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, here's that thing. If you're worried about fucking weakening moral fiber and like depravity, like repression does that. Right. Every time. Yeah, so homophobia, it's just like, hi, I'm here in the political arena. I'm going to stay here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm never going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. In 1950, the Republican Party chairman, Guy Gabrielson, he circulates a letter that warns of sexual perverts infiltrating the government, stating that they're perhaps as dangerous as actual communists. (laughs) And then, consequently, Kenneth Weary, the Republican floor leader in the Senate calls for measures to secure major cities against sabotage through a conspiracy of subversion and moral perverts in government establishments. Get these fucking gay people out of the government. (laughs) Yeah. So in 1953, Executive Order 10450 was signed by President Eisenhower, classifying homosexuals as security risks and precluding their employment by the federal government for decades to come. God damn. And... What no one foresaw at the time was that this executive order, 
it would become kind of a double-edged sword because during Vietnam, a bunch of draftees were like, sorry, I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you don't want gay people? I'm gay as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This order stays in effect until 1995. That's that's when Clinton rescinds it and enacts don't ask, don't tell in its place, which is like, great, what an improvement, which is then repealed in 2017 by Obama. He's like, let's can we let's just do away with that now. You're you guys are the ones focusing so fucking hard on sex. Yeah. What? (laughs) Like, God damn it, man. Like thou doth protest too much. Yeah. Like fucking. God, what's, like, what's with you? What's with your sexual repression? I think, like, I've, I think I've like mentioned on this show. Like, I disagree with fucking he- with the philosophy of hedonism. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a healthy philosophy. There's a very big difference between whether you believe someone sh- should be able to do something versus whether you think it's a good idea. Yeah, and whether you think that you should pass legislation making it illegal right for them to do it. To legislate against it. Yeah. Very different fucking things there, but Yeah. So America in the two decades following World War II experiences conditions that would help inflate groups like the Citizens for Decent Literature, or CDL. Citizens for Decent Literature was led by charismatic leader Charles Keating. And it was unique from other earlier anti-obscenity movements like the Legion of Decency. Mm. And the National Organization for Decent Literature. So tired. We got to burn these books, <laughs> these naughty books out of our schools. Yeah. Yeah. The Legion and the NODL were both headed by Catholics. We got we to gotta rewrite fucking what's his ass's books. You know, the guy. Which guy? Roald Dahl. You gotta oh, God, re- yeah. Dahl's books. Right, just add a disclaimer at the beginning. Be like, or, hey, this guy was kind of a fucking add anything. Just shut yeah. the fuck up. How about that? I don't know. Yeah. We don't need to do shit. I don't know. Right? It's fine. It's It'll be fine if you just let it be fucking fine. I'm gonna keep drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So both of these groups, the Legion, the NODL, they're headed by Catholics. Oh, good. And they, they effectively censor film, magazines, books, comics between the years of 1934 to approximately the mid-50s. Yeah. By the way, yeah. 1934, same year the FCC is created. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, the Catholic Church, I mean, they, they know all about the uh, uh, societal good that re- sexual repression does. Oh, they sure do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's a clip from a Citizens for Decent Literature funded video. Hello there. I'm George Putnam. I'd like to begin with a fact. A simple yet shocking fact. It is this. A flood tide of filth is engulfing our country in the form of newsstand obscenity and is threatening to pervert an entire generation of our American children. We know that once a person is perverted, it is practically impossible for that person to adjust to normal attitudes in regard to sex. Yet much of this material has been described as an illustrated, detailed course in perversion, abnormal sex, crime, and violence. It is also a fact that no matter who buys this material, 75 to 90% of it ends up in the hands of our children. Yeah, okay. Now, you might ask yourself, why this sudden concern? Pornography and sex deviation have always been with mankind. 
this is true. But now consider another fact. Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity, the teachers of unnatural sex acts, had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. High-speed presses, rapid transportation, <laughs> mass distribution, My God. all have combined to put the vilest obscenity within reach of every man, woman, and child in the country. The internet would drive this man insane. Well, that man's wearing a butt plug as he's fucking talking. Oh, yeah. You can tell. God, I hit that. <clears throat> so Charles Keating for of Citizens for Decent Literature, he finds himself in kind of a predicament. Yeah. You see, censorship had fallen out of favor with the American public because it was something that the Russians did. I was going to say. You know, backlash against Catholic groups increased further after President Eisenhower openly opposed book burners. Fuck yeah. And it's like, okay, Charles Keating's like, I got to make social conservatism palatable to the public. Mm. I need to promote CDL as a secular organization, even though it's not. Right. It ain't. But they call themselves a civic organization. And in order to promote credibility of Citizens for Decent Literature, Keating uses like all this legalistic rhetoric. He cites the work of social scientists and other so-called experts and brings them into his circle. He's got a sociologist on the Harvard faculty and a future member of CDL named Pitram Sorokin, who writes that a society saturated with sex would result in moral decay. How do you think you got made, motherfucker? Yeah, you're... How do you think life sustains itself? You're doing this. It's all sex and death. You're making society about the sex. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Otherwise, it just happens. And it's fine. To these people, it's all sex and death. Yeah, because they're fucked in the head. <laughs> yeah. Because they're entirely just, broken. Right. Right. Keating also cites psychiatrists like Frederick Wortham and Benjamin Cartman, who theorized that things like violent comics and pornography had profound harmful effects on children. And it's like, okay, maybe. Don't but like, this fuck. is this, the same <laughs> debates today about video games and movies and whatever like i assure you it's fine people will and have always been fucked up they'll be exposed to worse things in their life than they will be through a movie probably yeah yeah yeah. you know for most of human history uh children saw really fucked up shit and they didn't turn out okay because none of us are okay we're all fucked literally no one's okay it's fine we're okay you know we're getting there more central to the advancement of the CDL's cause, besides for, you know, getting all of this backup from academics, is their recourse to law. One of the methods they deployed is that they would pack courtrooms with women during obscenity trials to, like, give this presence to the jury panel. Like, take this seriously. There's women here. Jesus. You gotta be proper. Yeah. I fucking hate everyone. So... Also, in their recourse to law, members of the CDL from around the country are putting forth a series of amicus curiae, meaning friend of the court briefs. Like, they're not involved in any of the cases, Mm. but they're like, hey, look at this. You might want to check this out. (laughs) So they're sending a bunch of stuff to local courts, the Supreme Court, being like, check into all this obscenity stuff. God. Yeah. And suppression of pornography 
gets enforced in many major cities. By the late 1950s, 14 states established their own obscenity laws to protect to prohibit the sale and distribution of any sexually suggested material. It's just crazy. Yeah. Now, before we talk about the other major case that changed the definition of obscenity in the, in the 50s. Yeah. Let's enjoy another salacious song banned right. on the radio. I'm, I'm sure this one's going to be really dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm confused. That's it. What? That's why it was banned. BBC didn't allow advertising in songs. <laughs> and this song was so popular, it helped Nash Motors sell a shit ton of cars. Nah. Yeah. Mm. So it'd be like if Gucci tried to get the song Versace by Migos banned. We're like, that song's making our competitor too popular. Don't know the reference, but I'll. I don't either, but it's it was it was something that a friend said to me. Hell yeah! I decided to use it. Yeah, hell yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I I understood it enough. Yeah, no, I get. Yeah, it's I get the point. Someone will get it. Yeah. Be like, oh, okay, I see. Right. (laughs) Beep. Beep. I like that one. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that one. It gets faster and fast. Oh, that sounds. Yeah. That sounds stressful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 1950s in general sounds stressful. Very. So it's 1956. Samuel Roth. He's an American publisher. He's got several prior arrests and convictions. Uh, He's charged with four counts of a 24-count indictment by the New York Federal District Court for mailing books, periodicals, and photographs. Alleged to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, and of an indecent character. Yeah. It was like two years after fucking Castle Bravo. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you, why do you care? Yeah, it's like, I'm just trying to make money, man. Listen, the people want their dirty books, I'm gonna ship it to them. There what do you want from more me? important things. Really? <sighs> so one of the justices, William Brennan Jr., in his opinion for the court in the Roth case... He upholds the use of the Comstock Act and a similar state statute, declaring that obscenity was not protected First Amendment speech. Why not? Why can't we talk about fucking? Why isn't that protected? In Judge Jerome Frank's opinion... Obscenity dissemination punishes people for selling books or pictures which may only evoke thoughts and nothing more. Like, yeah, Frank. Judge Frank, he believed that this type of suppression could maybe be remedied by applying a clear and present danger doctrine to obscenity cases. But the Supreme Court was like, um, that's kind of unnecessary because obscenity is not within the area of constitutionality. And also clear and present danger, like that man read that book and then he went and killed, tried to- Right, so we got to ban that book because it was that book. Right. Um, Because it had a clear and present danger. They're like, no, we're not doing that. So in the case of Roth versus United States, which is now considered a landmark, the Supreme Court rules that obscenity is not within the area of constitutionally protected freedom of speech or press, either under the First Amendment as to the federal government 
or under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment as to the states. Hmm. William Joseph Brennan, who authored the 6-3 decision. 6-3? Yeah. God damn it. Justified the opinion of the court by concluding that the First Amendment's not intended to protect every utterance. Fuck you. Yeah. And that the purpose of the protection of speech and press is to assure unfettered interchange of ideas by bringing about political and social changes desired by the people. So you can't... So don't... Fuck you. Like, Eat my fucking ass, piece of shit. Let the people jerk off. I mean, it's it, you know, fuck that. It's it is every utterance. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like I don't give a shit. Yep. Yeah. It's it's literally it's what the fuck it means. Sorry. Even if I don't agree with someone, they have the right to have their disagreeable opinion. I want to know if I if I should punch them in the face or not. Exactly. Like they shouldn't not be allowed. I don't want that shit. I want to know. Siloed away. Yeah. Where it can evolve into its own fucked up echo chamber. Yeah. I'd rather it be seen. Because guess what? It's not going to fuck up the children. The children are already fucked up. In fact, the children are getting more fucked up because things are getting repressed and siloed away and you don't know what they're up to. Mm Mm-hmm. So Brennan goes on to states that ideas that contain even the slightest redeeming social importance have the full protection of the guarantees. But obscenity doesn't have any redeeming social importance. So that falls outside of the scope of the kinds of valuable speech that the First Amendment is there to protect. Why why doesn't it? Does sex not influence society? Well, I don't think it's necessarily just sex. I think, you know... It is a lot more than sex. You're right. right. Yeah, and I don't... I want to make sure to say that because it's a lot more than sex. Because if we make it just about sex, well, it confines it. But it's about much fucking more than that. Yeah. It's about the definition of what social importance is. It's about the definition of who defines what society is. Exactly. You know? Yes. And it's it's sex was used because it's convenient. It's always convenient to use that. That's why every fucking cult restricts sex. That's why every cult controls that. Yep. But it's about a fear of losing control over a society they never had control over in the first fucking place. Yeah. No matter who's doing it every time. So the Hicklin test gets booted out the door and Brennan establishes the Roth test for obscenity. Whether to the average person, applying contemporary community standards, the dominant theme of the material, taken as a whole, appeals to the prurient interest. Oh, suck. Prurient interest. Oh. Prurient. Pr- if I hear the word prurient word. one more time, I'm going to fucking... Meaning drop sexual matters. Yeah, prurient sexy. Right. So the Roth test, it focused on the on community standards of average people but they're all morons i know yeah the trial judge instructs the jury to ask themselves if the materials offend the common conscious of the community by present day standards so yeah sure okay this new test gives a little bit more power to the general audience to decide oh i don't trust them and isn't appropriate i don't trust them at all so like this idea of applying community standards to obscenity cases it's first expressed by Judge Learned Hand in United States versus Kennerly way back in 1913, who expresses this idea, which I find very relevant to this case. Like, okay, he says, If letters must, like other kinds of conduct, be subject to the social sense of what is right, it would seem that a jury should, in each case, establish the standard much as they do in cases of negligence. Basically, if you're willing to prosecute someone for looking at nudie mags, you best not be looking at them yourself. Yeah. You better apply that standard yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. 
and across the board. Judge Hand suggested that community standards should allow for local and temporal variation. And, you know, it's funny because he's suggesting that by, back in 1913 and it doesn't get like. I mean, and also that w- that allows for fucking really localized mob rule and shit. <laughs> yeah, you like know? that's not like, that good either. The fucking point of the goddamn state should it be. It all falls apart so quickly. The fucking point of the state is to protect the perverts. Yeah. That's like one of the only legitimate uses for a state. So it's like, okay, this 1957 Roth decision, it's. It's an improvement, I guess, but it still fails to define what community standards means. Does that mean national, state, local? Who's included in the community? Yeah, well, whoever's the whitest, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Chief Justice Earl Warren, he concurred with the Roth decision, but also raised concerns about the primary emphasis of the case being put on the obscenity of the material. He's like, um, aren't, aren't we prosecuting the defendant? And their conduct, isn't that like the central issue, not what's in the book? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because if there are laws designed to suppress the obscene that can be invoked against art, literature, scientific treatises, works exciting social controversy, that could be bad. It could be. Yeah. Well, we're, no, it won't get, no, 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 it'll be fine. We'll be, we'll be fine. We'll promise. And then uh, Justice Douglas, he dissents. He disagrees with the Roth test. He's like, I don't like this. This is inflicting punishment for thoughts provoked, not overt <laughs> acts or antisocial conduct. Yeah. Like, that's unconstitutional. You can't make a law that just assumes that people are going to do bad things because of thoughts that might be provoked by a thing. That's like the what? slipperiest of slippery slopes. That's insane. Yeah. So Roth, this whole Roth case, it enables American courts to set the standard for what's considered obscene, and it also lays down the constitutional requirement that material must be judged as a whole and by its impact on the average person. What if I'm not writing for the average person? What if you're Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We don't make this show for the average person. It's true. Right? Like, it's, it's just not, right? Yeah. And although Roth was an improvement... The new definition is still way too vague, and it required that the Supreme Court would continue having to fine-tune the definition on a bunch of different occasions between 1957 and 1973. In those 16 years, the court was so divided on obscenity, and they grew to be completely and utterly exhausted with the subject. Nobody could agree on what obscenity even was, with one judge going so far as to simply state, I know it when I see it. Well, wasn't that Clarence Thomas? Yeah. Yeah. It was Clarence Thomas on pornography. I'll know when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a good legal definition. Well, you know, his wife was fucking, is all fucking cued out and shit and was involved in the fucking January 6th bullshit. He's an idiot. He should go to bed. God. Um, I know it when I see it. I'm a fucking loser when I see one too. God. That moves us into part three. Between memoirs and Miller. Because after the Roth test would come the Miller test. Wait. Who the fuck's banning Donna Summer? Right? When you're lying so close to me, I 
Too sexy for the radio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, get that shit off. It's mixed very intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> that moans are fucking high in the mix, dude. That's fine. <laughs> right? How can you ban Donna Summer? You don't ban Donna Summer. Fuck you. Like I just said, Roth test gets expanded many times over the next couple of decades. In 1962, one justice, Justice Harlan, he writes a plurality in a case called Manual Enterprises Incorporated versus Day, where he adds the patently offensive component to the definition of obscenity, meaning that a work had to be patently offensive on its face as to affront the current community standards of decency. Like... How did Norbit get made? <laughs> That's patently offensive. Yeah. I mean, this has been removed from the definition since, but if, like, I feel like if these tests still exist, then there's a, I have a lot of movies that I could pick a bone with about being an affront. Oh, and people do. Standards. Yeah. Well, but they have to exist. Yeah. Like, we can't nuke. Norbit off the planet. It needs to exist as a record of what has been. Just fucking avert your eyes. Siri, like, just don't look at it. It's so simple. When this patently offensive component is added on, and it, you know, meaning that it has to affront community standards of decency, who's that community? A national one, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who decides what the national community standards are? Mm. Well, I guess it goes back to the judges then. So it's not really community standards. No. It's the judges deciding for the nation. It's state power run amok again. Right. Okay. Two years later, 1964, a plurality opinion authored by Justice Brennan for Jacob Lease versus Ohio expands on the national standard to make it apply to federal and state laws as well. So we're tunneling down. Then in 1966, there are several expansions to the Roth test on the same day, Mm. March 21st. First, Memoirs versus Massachusetts. It's a case concerning a novel known famously as Fanny Hill. It's like this old ass novel that used to be banned and it was Mm. brought back into court to be like, hey... This this is an important novel that actually has artistic value and like is socially important. It shouldn't be banned. Um, they're like, yeah, okay, we agree. So they expand the Roth test as follows. Three elements must coalesce. It must be established that A, the dominant theme of the material taken as a whole appeals to a prurient interest in sex. B, the material is patently offensive because it affronts contemporary community standards relating to the description or or representation of sexual matters. And C, the material is utterly without redeeming social value. Yeah. (sighs) Fanny Hill was saucy because it did contain, like, sexy passages. But they were just passages in a book about a larger narrative. So it couldn't be charged because, like, oh, there's passages in the book that are sexy the whole thing isn't about that so this expansion on the roth test said you can't just take a whole book that's about a whole bunch of other things and take a little bit out of it 
and say, oh, it's bad because of this, when that's not really what the whole thing is about. It's better, but... Yeah. And also, it's historically important. It has social value. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the shit that really pisses me off. Yeah, 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 dude. Absolutely. An additional alteration is added the same day by another case, Ginsburg versus New York, where the court holds that it's not irrational for the legislator to find that exposure to material condemned by the statute is harmful to minors. They held that pandering may constitute provative evidence of obscenity. (sighs) If you own like a convenience store and you have like, I don't know, magazines in there that might be dangerous to children, you could be charged. Who among us hasn't found a stash of porn in the woods? Well, not you younger folks, but (laughs) let me tell you. It was more common than you'd think. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Michigan versus New York, where prurient appeal, it's redefined in terms of deviant sexuality. Right. So it's not just about, like, sex, relating to sex. It has to be deviant sex. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, now who decides what's deviant and what's not? Um, in his dissenting opinion- If you have to ask that, you're a deviant. <laughs> I am. I'm an incredible deviant. (laughs) In his dissenting opinion, and an excellent example of just how fed up the court was with these cases, Justice Black stated, I wish once more to express my objections to saddling this court with the irksome and inevitably unpopular and unwholesome task of finally deciding by a case-by-case, site-by-site, personal judgment of the members of this court what pornography, whatever that means, is too hardcore for people to see or read. Yeah. Hmm. And like... Yeah, he's exhausted. They just decided three cases in a day with 14 separate opinions. (laughs) Justice Black proposes a solution to alleviate the court of their burden. When this court makes particularized, particularized rules on what people can see and read, it determines which policies are reasonable and right, thereby performing the classical function of legislative bodies directly responsible to the people. Yeah, basically, it's not our job to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Yeah. So, the proposal that states should be responsible for determining their own obscenity statutes kind of brings up a number of issues, including the fact that a book legal to read in one state could result in you getting arrested if you travel to another, which, by the way, happened. I'm sure. Yeah. Also, power of the CDL is continuing to grow. They even play a hand in derailing President Lyndon Johnson's nomination of Abe Fortas to the chief justiceship of the Supreme Court in 1968. Mm. That's right. CDL is back, baby. Yeah. In 1970, Nixon appoints Charles Keating to his presidential commission on obscenity and pornography. Because, you know, Bush had his task force. This is a thing presidents have been doing for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just have Ultimate pander move. Yep. But it's a group that consists mostly of See, social scientists. This shit is obscene to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's fucking obscene. A lot of these social scientists on the commission, they are not interested in morality politics. But Keating uses his power as head of the CDL to get members of his organization to write letters to Congress warning them, claiming that the commission's forthcoming report is going to call for the repeal of all obscenity laws. Oh, no. He shapes public perception of the commission's report before it gets released. And his claims are true. 
because all of the members on the commission besides him think that laws regarding obscenity for adults should be immediately repealed. There's no fucking reason for it whatsoever. We only need this type of legislation to protect children and to protect, like, you know, don't fuck animals. Uh, and, you know, I, that that's pretty much it. I mean, you know Nixon didn't give a f- <laughs> no, Yeah. <laughs> but because Keating was on this commission and was appointed into it, and he releases all that information early and frames it to match his agenda. He turns the public and both houses of Congress against the commission. And, you know, while not solely responsible for either event, the CDL did influence who would become the head of the Supreme Court and also dismantled a $2 million government commission, ensuring that prior obscenity decisions would remain in place and that future legislation would continue to occur instead of just repealing everything now. So, what's the current test for obscenity? The Miller Test. You are no doubt familiar with songs about the old lamplighter and the old umbrella man and the old garbage collector and all these lovable old characters who go around spreading sweetness and light to their respective communities, but it's always seemed to me that there is one member of this happy band who does an equally splendid job, but who has never been properly recognized in song or story, and this is an attempt to remedy, at least in part, that deplorable situation. When the shades of night are falling, comes a fellow everyone knows. It's the old dope peddler spreading joy wherever he goes. Every evening you will find him It's the old dope peddler doing well by doing good. He gives the kids free samples because he knows full well that today's young innocent faces will be tomorrow's clientele. Here's a cure for all your troubles. Here's an end to all distress. It's the old dope peddler with his powdered happiness. You can see why that one was banned. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. <laughs> no! It's silly. It's fun. It's about heroin, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so Marvin Miller, he's convicted in 1971 under California Penal Code for mailing advertisements for adult material to non-soliciting recipients. You see, Marvin is the owner and operator of a California mail-order business specializing in pornographic films and books. He sends out a brochure advertising these books and films, <laughs> and they contain pictures, you know, in the brochure. A couple of these brochures land in the hands of a restaurant owner and his mom. They're very, very upset. Hello, police. I mean, listen. I just received porn in the mail. It's not the wisest thing to do. It's not. I say it's, a, it's a dumb move. Pro gamer tip, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's always going to end, end up in the hands of a fucking restaurateur and his mother. Yep. So, in the Miller case, the court offers new guidelines to remedy the problems mm -hmm. with the Roth test, right? These guidelines mm -hmm. consist of three criteria. Hey. 
whether the average person applying contemporary standards would find that the work taken as a whole appeals to the prairie and interest, blah, blah, blah. B, whether the work depicts or describes in a patently offensive way sexual conduct specifically defined by the applicable state law. And C, whether the work taken as a whole lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Yeah. I love that word serious in there. Serious. That's a, that's a fun word to throw in there. So the Miller test, the Miller test allows the jury to apply local standards rather than a national standard in determining whether material is obscene or not, you know, and applicable state law. Okay. The Supreme Court found that despite the guidelines that it had established, articulating a national obscenity standard it's just too difficult. So each state just needs to be free through state statute to construct whatever laws represent their communities the best. Pass the buck. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're fucking done. Chief Justice Warren Berger writes the for the majority in Miller, stating that it's not the court's function to propose regulatory schemes for the states because our nation's too big. It's too diverse. You know? We couldn't account for all 50 states in a single formula, which that's wise and true, but I, I don't think the states can do that either for no. all their constituents. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. And then, of course, the other change is the slaps test. Oh, slap all you. Does it have serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value? Does I, does humor belong in music? Ah. So that's that Frank Zappa album. That was like the big question. There, one of his albums was banned or yeah. like it was given a label, a warning label. It was a fucking instrumental album. Yeah, it was I mean, just it, called was it, Jazz from Hell or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was a whole bit. I read all about that when I was I was younger. Yeah, it does humor belong because all like, all his songs are extremely sexual. Yeah, but funny. Funny, tongue in cheek. It's not serious. It's literally the opposite. Of I am serious the artistic. I am value. the slaps. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Like, the Supreme Court notes that the publication at issue in the Miller case, this doesn't have any any slaps value <laughs> because, you know, hardcore a- portrayal of sex for its own sake and for ensuing commercial gain, that's not artistic or it's not. valuable. I mean, it's not. That's just, that's just you're selling porn. It's just mailing porn ads to people. Yeah. It's just porn ads. I don't have much sympathy for them because it's just like, it's just a dumb idea. Yeah. They did, thankfully, they removed the utterly without redeeming social value part. Yeah, yeah. And they did make it a little bit more specific, like artistic. I don't know. Science. No, fuck all that. I think they made it worse. I think they, they made did, it worse. They did, because yeah. then they, you, there's more to argue. Well, it's serious. Does humor belong in music? Becomes the question. Yeah. Right? Like, does that, do you find it funny, Supreme Court? Oh, well, I guess you're the grand arbiter. That's like what's funny saying, or not. Right. And it's what's like, parody he was, not. oh, you like nothing. Some things just aren't funny. No, dude. Some jokes aren't good. Right. That's as far as it goes. Yeah. Like, but that's also my opinion. Well, a couple of the justices agree with you. Good. Because there's definitely dissenting opinions. People arguing that, no, this test is still too vague because the, the law is applied at the discretion of whoever's on the jury. Like, uh, rather than the judges. And it's not, this is, it's not based on a clearly outlined standard. So the application of the law is incredibly unpredictable. Who's on that jury? Who are the, like, at least when the judges were doing it, there was more of a, 
a baseline for how the law could be applied. Now it's sort of like um, really vague and out there. <sighs> Justice Douglas also argued that it's unfair to uphold convictions in obscenity cases because oftentimes the defendants in these cases don't know that they're doing anything wrong. Right. Right, 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 you can't, right. You can't just send men to jail for violating things that they didn't even like. Yeah, if if, if it's a super fucking nebulous bullshit. Yeah. Like where, where, How do you know that? that yeah. Yeah. So if that remains as a law, then it just creates a culture of fear. Precisely. Yeah. Which might be the whole fucking point. Right. Justice Brennan expressed concern that this whole community standards approach, it would produce something he called the chilling effect of the least tolerant community. Yeah. You know, because the least tolerant people would become the loudest voices in that community. And he was right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Harlan warned that local standards would have the intolerable consequence of denying some sections of the country access to material deemed acceptable, which in others might be considered offensive to prevailing community standards of decency. So, again, with the it could be legal in one place, not legal in another. That's not... You know, you can't expect someone to know the laws in every state. I mean, we have a bunch of those. Right. The chilling effect was acknowledged in the footnotes of the Miller majority, but the local standards condition has continued to be included in the definition. And, of course, Chief Justice Berger is very unsympathetic to any of the ideas included in the dissent because... All these obscene works, they're just crass commercial exploitation of sex. Those who distribute them are trafficking and titillation. Who cares? Yeah. I don't think you understand, sir. We understand your point of view. And in response, we say... Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Read a different book. Literally. You're going to die one day. (laughs) (laughs) The end of the day, it's, uh, you know, yeah, better things to pay attention to. Like, so that's where it stands today with the Miller test. And whether we like it or not, obscenity law operates as an enforcing agent. It exists to clearly distinguish obscene speech from legitimate protected speech. Well, clearly is debatable. Yeah. But like we've talked about at length, these laws are just way too overbroad and vague which presents the issue of due process. In the words of Justice Marshall in his opinion for Stanley versus Georgia. If the First Amendment means anything, it means that a state has no business telling anyone sitting alone in their house what books they may read, what films they may watch. Yeah. In that case that he's talking about, the Stanley case, yeah. that determined that private possession of obscene materials in one's home is legal and protected. Right. Great. But then two years later... In United States versus 37 photographs, it was ruled that legally obtained obscene materials, even if they were legally obtained, you can't even have them in your luggage if you go across state lines. Even if they're just in your car, even if they're you're not doing anything with them, if you're just traveling with them, that's bad. So someone could just so easily and unintentionally violate a federal statute. And due to this vagueness of what's permitted and what's prohibited, it's meant that citizens have been forced to self-censor out of fear of being prosecuted. Nowadays, like, it doesn't really matter because we have all these unclear parameters 
with new technology. How the fuck do you apply local standards to the internet? Oh, they'll try. Yeah. They'll try. Like... I mean, that's the thing. Now it's... It's because it's not just about... When we talk about, like, state power, it's not that the state is necessarily any different from the people. Mm -hmm. You're talking about groups of self-appointed people making decisions. Yeah. For the rest of society. And... Well, there... That's why there have been all of these... Um, social media websites that have popped up like Gab and whatever to serve as... Yeah, but those aren't pr- fucking protected. Like, th- yeah. They say, oh, we're free speech and shit, and you'll get banned faster from that bullshit than you will from fucking anything else. Yep. Because it's sort of a tendency among people, among groups of people, to try to maintain control, to try to segregate the other and fucking punish the other and keep the unwanted shit out of their precious little purview. Oh, yeah. Um, they don't like to see it. And it's just a pattern we repeat over and over again because it's sort of in our nature to be pieces of shit. And it's kind of more important that we watch our own tendency, our own life to prevent ourselves from falling into that trap because maybe that's the only fucking way we evolve as a species. Really, though? (laughs) Really? Like, before we talk about the tarot card... I'm going to keep drinking. I want to bring up the fact that Charles Keating did get eventually arrested for fraud. Oh, yeah. Like... (laughs) I mean, of course. Of course. Uh, And also... The fact that the Miller decision, that was a five to four split. That could have gone in an entirely different direction if it wasn't for the CDL's involvement in getting Justice Berger appointed to Chief Justice. Like, also Keating being on that commission, that obscenity commission, like, we could have done away with these laws. But honestly, I don't know how good these laws even do us in in this day and age. How strictly are they applied? Because you can go on the internet, you can go on LiveLeak and watch someone get beheaded right now. Why is that okay? Why is that fine to do? <laughs> Why exactly. Is, yeah, exactly. Does that have political value? Like, they're not prosecuting yeah. this shit. They don't fucking care. Right. They only use it when they need to. Right. To I go mean, after someone that they need to go after. Well, part of the... Or make an example out of. I mean, part of the fucking mindset, the, uh, the, the subculture that is imposing these fucking laws... Well, part of them really wants kids conditioned to violence because that's sort of how they maintain mm-hmm. control. It's sort of how you maintain American hegemony. Yep. You know, violence is not obscene to the people making these laws. And isn't that the weird part about it? Is yeah. that like depictions of violence, death and gore isn't included in the definition of obscenity? Is that not? It's not like these individual people necessarily want these kids dying for Uncle Sam, but the machine does. Yeah. This, yeah, this cultural machine, the societal machine that got built, emergent, like the stock market, it's an emergent machine, it's an emergent system, but it has a vested interest. It's like the market doesn't, you losing your fucking money. It has right. a vested interest in people being desensitized to violence. I think that's, that's the, sustains it. That's the reason why these laws aren't really like, they're not completely relevant anymore in their application, but the idea ideas that formed their existence are still very much here like the laws don't even have to be put into practice we're just doing it to each other through our social politics yeah where we police and censor one another i mean that that's what i'm that's what i'm like saying we don't need the law to do it well because it comes from fear at the end of the day it comes from fucking fear yep is the base emotion and that's you know it's that fucking star wars shit fear leads to anger anger leads to hate blah 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 it always does it always does and like we're terrified as a society of mm-hmm. so many things. Whatever subculture you're a part of, you're fucking scared of something. We're all fucking scared of shit. And it's that tendency to 
try to maintain some fucking sense of control over this, over this sheer insanity that we're yeah. just hurling thwart, uh, through. Yeah, if you let it kind of get a hold over you, it turns you into a bastard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I do, like, I do find it kind of triumphant how much of our media is really, truly filthy. I don't. It's because it's, I don't know. So I'm sorry to cut you off. I mean, I guess I'm thinking about it in a different way. I'm thinking about, like, the, the types of movies that I like to enjoy like John Waters and that stuff. Like I should be able to watch a drag queen eat dog poop. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like in an art house film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, it's disgusting, I mean, but course. like it has its place. But I wouldn't um, say that. And I like that we're like, we should be allowed to do that. Well, yeah. Obvi- I mean, obviously, but like, here's the thing though, you know, like you said, it becomes this nebulous, you know, uh, policing ourselves and shit. Right. What happens is the acceptable mainstream. And I'm not like, here's the thing. I don't want to see a drag queen eat dog shit i don't want to see i'm not into that shit yeah i don't fucking dig it you know but what happens is and if you really give a shit about creating conditions where that's less likely to happen open the floodgates right just let it be right like that's that those are the conditions where the thing you hate and fear happens the least Mm -hmm. that's actually usually true (laughs) it's usually true for most fucking things yeah um and uh yeah, and like I, I don't know, because also like the what the mainstream is right now, is so fucking plastic. It is the most. I don't. There's nothing there, man. There's nothing there. Like it yeah. is all siloed off. It is shit. Like it's legal. Yeah. That's uh, why I like that there is this dirty undercurrent where you can find art. I mean, that is truly like disgusting. But that's and just filthy, always but been it, true. It, it has been. It's always been true. And like it's not. That that can't be prosecuted away. It literally can't. You cannot get rid of it. Yeah, you, you can't stop people from making porn. You can't stop ma- yeah. people from making weird art. It's impossible. So if your goal is, as stated, give up or admit that that's not your goal. Right, because um, is that their goal? It's not. Yeah. They don't know what their goal is, but it's control. They're, like I said, it's like whack-a-mole. You know, yeah. the job of the Supreme Court really, the job of courts in general is like, and, and the law, the law is, I don't know, it's a fence that has a few holes in it. Oh, yeah. A lot of holes in it, but you got to know where to look. Here's but it's not other. like a solid structure. You know, you can hop over it, you can dig under it. It's not a fortress. Here's the other side of the uh, Six of Wands. Yeah. Yeah, I don't read reverse because I think that every card has a reverse and every has a, you know, there's multitudes. There's the the light side and the shadow side, right? That's some fucking proud asshole riding his little pony. Oh yeah. Right? He's so he's a crusader. He's on a mission from God. Mm-hmm. And those kids are gonna die in the fucking dirt that he's fucking riding past on his little horse. Oh yeah, he has a lot of confidence, but he's riding into certain um destruction. Yeah, and like or like. Yeah, and he's just like the asshole crusader knight. It's the reason no one really wants a paladin in their D&D party. Yeah. They're just kind of dickheads. They're just kind of dickheads that ruin the party. It's it's this sort of proud, what is it, Sun and Leo? I think it's, yeah, I believe it's Sun and Leo is uh, Six of Wands. But it's this proud crusader knight thing. Like, And the thing about the crusader knights is um, they become the crusader knight. That's their character. That's who they are. Mm-hmm. Without an enemy... They're fucked. 
They got no purpose. Yeah. So well, it's like Ira Isaacs. You know how he needs to write that book, The People versus Ira Isaacs, and make a whole thing about his scat pony porn. He's doing it too. Yeah. It's like we're <laughs> exactly what, you know, mm-hmm. you and the judge are the same. You're all the same. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because it's a purely human tendency to be like, you shouldn't be doing that. And I know better because I'm appointed by God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. So the Six of Wands. I kind of see it as um, a card that almost represents like the positive aspects of the internet in regards to how it has dismantled obscenity laws application. Well, I mean, it sounds like information technology just kind of has always done that. Yeah, like, because as we heard in the CDL video, he's talking about, you know, these new emerging technologies, you know, yes, porn has always been around, but why is it more important? today more than ever because of technology like uh-huh yeah sure just try yeah. and stop it yeah i mean if we've seen anything in the course of history you can't stop information technology yeah we're gonna find new and better ways to share information with each other the other faster, thing better you could think of the six of wands as is like well, what if they're about to throw a whole bunch of vegetables at that guy you know what i mean like someone like making their presence known mm-hmm And say, that's obscene. We don't like that. Yeah. Shock to the system. Of which most of this shit isn't. It's literally just a dude fucking mailing out porn advertisements. Yeah. Through his neighbors. What are you doing? What are you What are you doing, sir? Fucking (laughs) moron. Yeah. There's themes of pride. There's themes of, um, uh, uh, what's, ah, don't have the right word. Like showing off, like, um, exhibitionism of, uh, yeah, base emotion of pride. Yeah. You know, totally. And that you can see that both in the publishing of things that are obscene mm-hmm. and the filth peddlers. If you can see that in the filth peddlers and you can see that in the crusaders as well. It's clashing. It's clashing versions of the six of wands is at its core, like about bringing forth a version of being yourself, like bring, bringing forth a character or persona and shit. I think here we're talking about a fight for what is the persona of precious America. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is that like you, what the persona of precious America is, is the fight over obscenity laws. Yep. That's what it is because it doesn't, you can't define these things. Should, it's, you know? it's the fight over undefinable. Yeah. Things. Like you can't, like, America is what America is. That's what brilliantly it brilliantly like said. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't define you. You can't say this is what America stands for because it doesn't. It no, stands really. for How'd... what happens. Yeah, like that's what it means. And fuck. No, very simply put, America is what America is. Yeah, America is and what that's America it. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the world is. Humans are what humans are. And like you can't like just as you can't fucking like hide sex of all fucking things from society. Mm-hmm. You can't fucking hide ugly shit from society. You can't find things that you. Find distasteful. You can't hide it. It doesn't work. One, it just doesn't work. Two, it's fucking wrong. Three. You shouldn't hide it. It makes it worse. Yeah. It makes it fucking worse. And it, like, and I know that, like, that the whole rolled doll thing was like, I mean, that was just a fucking corporate move. Yeah, that was really silly. Fucking, but like the fact that like so, human beings were like on board with that. No. No, because that's what it's yeah. what is. You can't fucking erase the past. You can't fucking erase basic human needs and desires. Like. Do you not see how that way lies fucking ruin? 
Yeah. In like the most serious of serious fucking ways. Like if you don't let the, if you don't let humans be humans, it's going to break them. Mm -hmm. I don't fucking know. Like, yeah. It's true. I've been drinking. So that's the history of uh, (laughs) obscenity law. Hell yeah. Which, you know. uh, What? I'm just, shout out to the foots. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the foots. Shout out to Dr. Foot and Dr. Foot Jr. I love a foot. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be selling foot pics on our Patreon coming up. (laughs) It's just a picture of the doctors. Yeah. Yeah. From the Library of Congress, so really we have no right to sell it. <laughs> we use AI to Photoshop some tits on them, though. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all I very, have. Very fucking interesting. I really had no idea um, how the same it's always been. Again, it's just the same. It's crazy yep, throughout time. <laughs> it's just some shit we get up to, like sands through the hourglass, like sand. These are the days of our lives. Uh-huh. Oh. Well, folks, if you like what we do, please do give us a five-star rating. Please it do. It really help us out. It helps. And if you want to give back to the show, join our Patreon. Five dollars a month. I might be adding some more tiers, but you won't get anything different. It'll be just be the same thing. There will be foot pics. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's on you, though. Yep. <laughs> five dollars a month, you get access to a bonus series uh, every other week and our Discord server. And it helps us keep doing this. And we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Be well. Take care. Just let it be. Peace out. Don't be a dick. (laughs) 